Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. It's just a joy. Pastor Mike asked me, as he said, to share with you today uh, on this subject, and I'm really, I'm very happy to do so. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous because after the encounter weekend, I felt, I felt like you liked me. Uh, I could have been wrong, um, but then the next time I come, you know, like I said at the encounter weekend, Pastor Mike, it, you know, like he gives me, you know, the cross and deliverance and now money. It's like, dude, you should take the hard stuff, you know, it's like, so uh, I, <laughs> but I, I really am happy to share on this because I believe this material. We have lived it. Uh, all of our lives, our married lives. And you may think, you know, uh, I, I can get all this information on the Internet, and may, maybe you can. Uh, there are a lot of varying opinions that you'll also bump into. And you're part of this church. You can trust the leadership here to have your heart, your best interests, as their first interest. Uh, and uh, so as we go through this series, you need to know that God does not need your money. He's good. Uh, he has cattle, you know, like on a thousand hills. Uh, he has the earth, the, the sea, you know, I mean, it's all his. So he's fine. Uh, he'll get by without your help. So it's not about him needing your money, and it's not about CPC needing your money. It's about us learning how that giving is a spiritual thing. It's not just monetary. It's not just material. It's spiritual. There are over 2,350 verses in the Bible touching on the subject of money. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a small topic. And as you'll see as we go through the scriptures, it's a major emphasis of Jesus' teaching, the apostles' teaching, as well as the Old Testament. So it's a spiritual matter. It has to do with our hearts. And who is on the throne of our hearts? I, uh, I learned to give. I'll talk about the tithe. You'll hear that term here. A tithe simply means 10%. Uh, when I was four years old, my, my dad was one of the first guys in Canada to have a Christian TV show. It was in Alberta. And uh, so what they would do is... Once a month, they'd go to a community where the TV show was broadcast, and they'd have a TV rally. And uh, being a small child, similar to Moses, a beautiful child, uh, with bright red hair, and I mean, adorable, really. It's, I know it's hard to picture now, but that was the case then. Uh, they would have me stand on a chair... And I would sing songs uh, for the, the audience, which I don't know if it was any good or not, but the result was that elderly ladies tended to come and give me money. So early on, I figured out this is a good game. This is good. Sing better, smile more, more money. <laughs> and uh, so dad saw that, that I was profiting from this ministry. 
And uh, four years old, he took me aside and said, son, I'm going to teach you a principle for your whole life, you know, whatever his words were. And he taught me at that stage about tithing. You take 10 quarters or dimes or whatever you have, and of all of those, one belongs to God. It's his. It's not yours. You get to keep nine. So at that point, I had no understanding of the biblical principles. I wasn't into it. Uh, I thought, you know, why does God need my money? I'm four years old. Whatever I thought. Maybe adult thoughts, but... Most of us think about money every day. From that point on, in varying degrees of accuracy and diligence, we have been giving. I got a paper route. I learned how to tithe from my paper route. And then I got summer jobs, and I tithed from that, and I gave offerings to missions. And Early in our marriage, really one of the only... We've really only had a couple of moments where our voices got raised. One of them, early in our marriage, we were very broke, and, uh, but we lived by the principle of tithing and giving offerings. I came home, and Karina was doing the budget at the time, and she said, okay, I get the tithe, I get the tithe, all right, all right, but what, like, do we have to do these offerings as well? And uh, she's at the top of the stairs. I was at the bottom. And we would have been, what, 26, 24 in that range. And I looked at her, and I raised my voice a little bit, and I said, sweetheart, everything we have is a gift from God, and we are going to honor him with the tithe and our offerings. And uh, she kind of sheepishly said, yep. And we have ever since. And God has blessed us. I don't have time to tell you miracle stories. We have miracles we could tell you about. God has been faithful. He has blessed us and prospered us. And not just financially, but prospered us relationally. Prospered us in family. Prospered us with peace and and lack of fear. So today, I'm going to uh, struggle to get through the amount of material that I have. I don't like it when speakers say that because I'm discouraged right off the bat as a listener thinking, oh, here we go. It's gonna be right. But uh, I'm going to try and move quickly. I encourage you to get out your phone or a piece of paper. I'm going to use a lot of scripture. And uh, don't worry about writing everything, but maybe just take note of the verses that as you seek to find a place of obedience with God in this area, Uh, you can reference the scriptures. Firstly, and most importantly on, on this, I want to establish that God has a heart to bless you. That's his heart. It's not what he can get from you, it's what he can get to you. And if you can learn biblical principles and live by the principles relating to finances, money, giving, generosity then you will find that the blessings of God will follow you. God is saying, I want to trust you with greater blessings if you will honor me. Luke chapter 16, here's what Jesus says, verse 10. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about, un, about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? All the blessings of heaven. What, what are the blessings of heaven? Eternal life, the rewards of heaven, the presence of God, peace, joy, purity, power, miracles, courage. 
Those are the blessings of heaven. Jesus calls them the true riches of heaven. It's one of the great truths about money and God. And it's tough for us to get our heads around how specific Jesus is. But he says, if you are not trustworthy with worldly wealth, you will remain spiritually poor. You will not see the fullness of the riches of heaven if we remain in bondage to the God of money, the God of mammon. The full measure of spiritual blessing requires maturity and trustworthiness. And Jesus is saying one of the ways that is measured is by financial trustworthiness. The prerequisite for receiving the riches of heaven is integrity with finances. It's a powerful thought. Immediately following those verses, verse 13 in the same chapter, Luke 16, Jesus follows it up with this well-known verse. No one can serve two masters. You will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So that's the reason Jesus is establishing this. And I would say and I've traveled all over the world for a lot of years, the biggest God in the world is money. Without, without, like, it's just everything for so many people. Jesus says, you can't serve both. You've got to sort out who you serve because it will be one or the other. It's not both and. Oh, I would like to serve both God and me. No, Jesus said it's either or. And then the next verse, 14. The religious leaders of the time, it says in, in the passage, who dearly loved their money scoffed at Jesus. Isn't that interesting? The ones who dearly loved their money scoffed at Jesus, saying you can't serve both. Trust and surrender unlock spiritual blessings because you cannot serve two masters. In Matthew, this same passage is quoted. He says, you can't serve both God and money. And then he follows it. Matthew includes some wonderful teaching about how God has promised to take care of us. And here's the essence. We choose either to have God take care of us in this regard and believe that he'll provide for us and perform miracles and be involved, or we decide, I'll take care of this. I'll look after it myself. I'm not sure I can trust God. And so Jesus tells the parables about the lilies of the field. He says, look at the lilies, how beautiful. God cares for them. Look at the sparrows of the air. God sees each one when they fall. How much more valuable are you than the flowers and the birds? And how much more will God take care of you? So Jesus promises us that he will be the provider. Spiritual indicators are connected a lot to our financial perspectives. Let me give you 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13. Here's what happens. As a result of your ministry, they, another church where the Corinthians had been giving money, will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers, look at this, will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Isn't that straightforward? 
The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says, your generosity proves to these other people that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Money in itself is not evil. Wealth and riches are not wrong. But there is evil connected to the love of money. First Timothy 6 says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Many marriages that break up have a conflict about money. Relationships in business, friendships, partnerships often break up as a result of somebody having the love of money. Crime exists because of the love of money. So there is evil connected to the love of money, but in its own essence, money itself is not evil and can be used for the glory of God. So the goal for you people here today, the goal is that you would experience the supernatural intervention of God in your finances. I am all for what Brother Stefan is going to do this Saturday. The combination of good budgeting and the application of wisdom and all of those principles, that's all part of it. This is not some sort of excuse to be irresponsible or not to use wisdom. It's a combination of all of those things. But this is that you could conquer the fear of losing your money or the fear of not having enough, that you would have confidence and peace knowing that God is enough in this realm of your life. So let me give you some principles quickly. The first principle and the title of this message is the first and the best. First principle. And when it comes to finances in the scripture, we need to, to go with principles, not just with a particular thought. The principle is that we should offer to God the first and the best of all that we have as an offering of thanksgiving. Exodus 23 says, the first of your first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3 verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new, li with new wine. When they brought an offering in the Old Testament, they brought a lamb without blemish, had to be perfect. When they brought the first of the harvest, they would select the best of the harvest to offer to God. Remember, it's all based on this understanding that everything that I have is a gift from God. He owns it all. I'm a steward. It's on loan to me from God. So therefore, I'm going to offer the first and the best to God, the purest of the oils, the finest grains. They talked often about an offering that was suitable for the holiness of God. So the first and the best, I'm not going to offer the last and the least or the leftovers or what I don't want. That's, that's not an offering to the creator of the universe. So that first principle, it's the first and the best. And I, I live by this principle, I love it. Because the first thing I do whenever I receive uh, a paycheck or a gift or an honorarium, first thing I do is say, I want to offer the first of this to the Lord. And it's just a consistent and an accurate way of measuring the blessing of God. It's unbelievable how you give thanks to God.
So God's the creator of the earth. Everything is his. Second, everything we have is a blessing from God. We are stewards of God's resources. They're not mine. When you live this way, you don't see the funds as yours. It's been loaned to you. Listen to Isaiah 48. Thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. So those principles, the first and the best, everything is his, and all that I have has been entrusted to me as a blessing from him. And so why wouldn't I return thanksgiving and praise? So how should we give? The scripture clearly establishes the principle that we should give. How should we give? So we give the first and the best. All that we have is a gift from him. How do we give? Well, the scripture says, give from the heart and give cheerfully. Second Corinthians chapter nine. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. I was with somebody recently uh, who had just planted a, a new crop. And uh, if you plant a few things, you get a few things in return. If you plant a lot, you get a lot. Everybody gets that. Jesus is talking about that principle of the harvest. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one, here's, here's how we give. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> Have you ever received something from someone and you knew they didn't want to give it to you? <laughs> it's not that good, is it? All right, here you go. Have it. I didn't want it anyway. God loves a cheerful giver. And if we can't give cheerfully, then we need to go back and sort out what it is in our heart that causes us to not have joy. Is it fear? Is it a miserly spirit? Are we closed-handed? We had some bad experience that's still governing our perspective. What is it? We're also to give as God gives, and God gives generously. Jesus sat one day, <laughs> I, I, I've often said, I wonder what the church would think if when we received the offering, the pastor uh, went and stood by the offering basket and watched what everyone put in. That's exactly what Jesus did. Like, pretty gutsy move, actually. And uh, I, I was in a church in Atlanta one time, and uh, it, was a, it was a black church, beautiful people. We went there, the worship was astonishing. Me and my friend were the only white guys in the whole room. And, uh, and <laughs> they did a couple of things that you know, were culturally kind of weird to us. Oh, we have a couple of guests here today, obviously, you know. Uh, <laughs> come up to the front and tell us who you are. So we're not going to do that if you're a guest today. So we had to walk to the front and tell who we are. The second thing they did, they received the offering, and they had a basket at the front, and everybody had to come and put their offerings. The pastor stood there, and the accountant of the church stood on this side with a calculator calculating as people put in their offerings. <laughs> and they were singing and rejoicing, and the guys click, 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 So after the offering is done, the, the pastor looked at the accountant and said, well, 
He said, they're not enough, Pastor. <laughs> so they took a second offering. He said, we don't have enough in here for what we need this day. And so they received the second offering, sang more songs, and the guy kept calculating, and finally a bell went off. We're good. Okay. Let's, you know, <laughs> off. <laughs> We're not going to do that. But Jesus sat by the offering basket and watched what people were putting in. And there were some people who had a lot of means and they put in larger amounts. There was one widow who put in two small coins and Jesus commends her. He says, this widow has put in more than these ones who put in larger amounts because she, out of her poverty, gave everything she had. So Jesus establishes that the amount of the gift is not what is significant, it's the amount of what's left over that establishes the level of trust. Jesus teaches us that we are to give generously, that it is a measure of God's character. Look at Luke chapter 6. Give, let's read this together. Is it is it there? Let's read this together because I, I grew up hearing this. My grandma Lewis, my mom's mom, was always talking about this verse. She lived by it. Let's read it out loud, everybody. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, please don't go all spiritual on me. No, I don't give to get, Pastor. I don't let my left hand know what my right hand is doing. I just, I just don't think you should argue with Jesus. And he says, if you give, you will receive, because that's the heart of God. Let's not take glory to ourselves and have some sort of elevated holiness character that goes beyond the Scripture. The Bible says, if you live this way, you will be blessed. That's God's heart. That's, I want to I bless my family, don't you? Isn't that natural to want to bless your family? My grandsons have a very clear definition of what blessing looks like. They tell me all the time, I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like this. They're not afraid. And as much as I can, I want to bless them. That's God's heart for you. So as you see the principles of Scripture, know that he's not trying to rob you. He's trying to bless you. But there has to be trust established in our hearts. So we give cheerfully. We give generously. Let me talk for a minute about the tithe, about the 10%. The first and best, the definition just means 10%. The principle of the tithe predated the law. Abraham tithed before Moses gave the law. Just a few things about frequently asked questions about the tithe. First, the tithe is the Lord's. It is holy. Leviticus 27. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. Notice this. It is holy to the Lord. That's an important principle, that the tithe was viewed as holy, that it's the possession of God. It's not mine. Secondly, we return the tithe. It is the Lord's. Let's look at the best-known passage on the tithe, Malachi chapter 3. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you, 
I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the only place in the scripture where God says, I'll prove it to you. Test it. Try it. Let me prove my faithfulness to you. So in this passage, there are three things. God promises to protect you from the devourer. He promises to open the windows of heaven. And he promises that you can try him and prove him by putting him to the test. What about Jesus? What does he say about the tithe? First of all, we read the scripture and interpret the Old Testament the same way that Jesus and the New Testament apostles did. We use the New, the Old Testament. Jesus quotes the Old Testament over 100 times in his teaching. The Apostle Paul, I think it's 185 times he references the Old Testament. So we don't do away with the Old Testament and say blanket things like, well, that doesn't apply today. We take the teaching of the New Testament, we interpret the old through the new. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus actually affirms the principle of tithing. But he doesn't use it the way that the Pharisees or the religious leaders were using it to justify injustice and a lack of faith and a lack of mercy. But look here what Jesus says. What sorrows awaits you teachers of the religious law, hypocrites. You're careful to even tithe uh, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So these religious leaders had taken the principle of the tithe, and they were like tithing on their basil and all kinds of minuscule, detailed things, but in doing so, they were justifying other areas, a lack of justice, a lack of mercy, a lack of faith. So they were saying, well, because I do this, then I can have sort of like a pass to do these other things that were ungodly. Jesus says, you can't live that way. You should tithe, yes, but also keep the important matters of character. Jesus established freedom from the sacrificial keeping of the law, but there are no grounds from Jesus' teaching or other New Testament teaching to, to legalistically say, remove the tithe. In fact, this, the New Testament goes beyond in its description of giving. So tithing is a part of the New Testament teaching. It's not the whole teaching. Tithing is a baseline. It's a starting point for spiritual financial growth. Tithing is like a tutor that leads us to generosity, to extravagant giving. And most of us need help with our generous, with our definition of what is generous. This is a lifetime. These are principles over time. It's not magic. It's not instant. Helps our giving to be accurate and consistent. And for some of us today, it's going to be a stretch. You say, Pastor, I can't, I can't go that high. I, I can't do... 10%, I, well then start with some percentage and then as a step of faith, determine each year, I'm going to try and raise that as God blesses me. But it's about that consistency, about the accuracy. Let me give you two or three simple, frequently asked questions regarding tithing. This is the most common one. Do I tithe on my net or my gross? Uh, I would encourage you to reach toward tithing on your gross because everything is a gift from God. When you make a contribution to your RSP fund or you pay uh, for a medical benefit plan, it's a benefit. Or even, sorry to say, the taxes that we pay, 
all of those things actually are benefits to us and they're gifts from God. And I think it just gives, you know, nobody likes to pay taxes. We all, one of the blessings in Canada is the government still allows you to make charitable donations. Many, many countries of the world that doesn't exist. We will lose that privilege at some point in time. But as we receive even the, the roads, the, the island highway driving up here, I love that highway. It's beautiful. Well, our tax is paid for that. You may think, well, we pay too much. Most of us just love to gripe about everything, <laughs> don't we? It's easier. It's easier. So that's why we encourage, if you can, to look at your gross, all those benefits, all those contributions, the RSP is going to be back to you at the end of the day, so it's actually yours. So anyway, that's uh, some of the, under, the, the thought, a suggestion. Second thing, frequently asked question, where do I tithe? We believe the teaching of the church is, and the New Testament is, to the local church. That way we allow the elders of the local church to determine the best use of the funds. Uh, and they are accountable. The offerings are where we are able to designate and get involved in things that we're excited. Now, hear me, everybody. Well, I used to say to my kids every now and then, look, look me in the eye. <laughs> you know, sometimes kids are kind of looking all over like this. You, you don't have to tithe to be a Christian. You're not a bad person. There's no spiritual hierarchy. <laughs> we're not going to, you know, Pastor Mike's going to give out armbands to limit the, uh, the fellowship time. We're not giving out armbands, you know, those who tithe, those who don't. Uh, no, this is between you and God. But we would be unfaithful. And I came to this conviction late in ministry, much later than I wish I would have. That I would be untrue to you. I'm an old guy. I've been serving the Lord just about all of my life. And I've proven this. It would be unfaithful for me to not give you the opportunity to experience the power of God in your finances. It would be unfaithful. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care about you. I'd be like, oh, I'll take care of it yourself. Hope it works out for you. Instead of saying, God's interested. God cares. God loves this aspect of how are we going to feed our family? How are we going to have enough to retire? How are we going to do this? I want to encourage you to grow in your faith regarding money. And everyone's story is different. No, no situation is the same, it's unique. Karina and I have stories, like supernatural, like there's no way that it couldn't be God. You'll have those same stories too if you determine I'm gonna walk God's way in this area of life. And all we're doing in this series is saying, here's an opportunity for you. Yes, we believe God forgives our sins. We accept that. Yes, we've accepted that heaven is our home and we have eternal life. Yes, we've accepted that he cares about us and can heal our wounds and our sorrows. We accept all of those things. We're just saying, accept this area because it's one of the biggest areas, one of the biggest areas of challenge in our lives. So that's God's heart. Let me, let me tell you, I love actual stories. I don't have any stories from CPC yet. I hope Pastor Mike will have some. When, uh, when I was teaching this at the church that I pastored, I asked the church, send, send me some of your stories. And if you have stories of God's provision and miracles, please send them to Pastor Mike, would you? Because this is so encouraging. I'm going to read these to you exactly as they came to me. 
So I, I haven't edited them for grammar or anything. It's just the way I got them. Pastor Brent, I want to share my tithing story with you. This is a mom with young kids. I've been committed to going to church every Sunday for three years now. At first, I never tithed, and then after about a year, I may have been giving a little here and there, but God was working on my heart. It always felt very overwhelming to me to give the big 10%. My husband is God's work in progress, and he would never understand. So I struggled and prayed about it. Every week, I got an allowance of $40, so I committed to tithe $5. Small, but it was a start. Then in February, you had that faith promise giving thingy, and God laid on my heart to do my 5% tithe and then 15 for missions. It was hard, but God is good. I became pregnant with twins in March and went on full sick leave in May. We didn't know how we were going to get by, but God had his own plans. God brought a couple into our lives that have poured his blessing down on us. They purchased everything we needed for our girls. They provided extra weekend work for my husband. And every six months, they want a new list. Just last week, my twins were loaded down with toys. And they've talked to my husband about helping us buy a house. This is just wanting some of the examples of how much we have received. This couple are not believers, and my husband just thinks they are nice people trying to help us, but I know different. <laughs> she knows where it's coming from. Everything is a gift from God. I just wanted to tell you that even though I can only give $15 a week, God has provided for us more than tenfold. I just thought you'd want to hear this story. It is very encouraging, and God is so faithful. Is that good? Dear Pastor Brent, just thought I'd share this with you. First, sincerely from my heart, this is a uh, university student. This church is a blessing, and I'm happy to be a part of it. The main reason I'm writing is to let you know what God has done in my life this week. Well, I'm 23, and I've been a Christian since age 13, give or take. He, he has all these little things that he puts on. I had started to tithe on the little I received from back then, but I kinda stopped along the way. Anybody here kinda stopped? <laughs> then I heard Brent's sermon on tithing, and I remember him quoting the Bible about trying the Lord in such matters. Well, long story short, last Sunday, the 25th, I tithed for the first time after a long while, and this time I made sure I gave a tenth of my gross, wasn't really doing that before, like, it doesn't say I wasn't doing that before. I wasn't really doing it before. I wasn't really doing that before. And plus, I took my offering one step higher than I normally do. LOL. <laughs> Two things happened. I don't usually check my mail because it's always bills and stuff. But on Monday, the 26th, I did. I'm not really sure where I got a deposit of $120 into my account, but there it was. Here's the funny thing. My tithe and offering was exactly $120. After some evaluation on my student loan, I'm still in school, by the way, the National Student Loan Services saw fit to knock $950 off what I owe. Here's the funny part. Again, I never applied for any reevaluation at any time. In fact, I thought the letter was some sort of, okay, dude, we need you to start paying up, LOL. 
Ha ha, I think some sort of record was broken there. In one day flat, God held his word true. For those of you still finding it hard to tithe, I feel you. I remember thinking how much I could get done with that 120 before giving it, but I gave it. And you know what? It's true. If you keep your hand closed firmly on what you got, there is no way you are ever going to receive more. He can preach, hey? 23 years old, he preach. Last one. Hey, PB, Lisa and I agree with you and practice the principles that you've been speaking on. We wanted to tell you some of our stories. With being faithful, God has provided for us in miraculous ways. As you know, I have a trade that allows me to do some extra work on the side. I've always said that God can bless me more than the person helping that I'm helping, so I only take payment for materials that I use. I bless people with free labor, even though we could always use a little extra money. In doing this, we've always said, I am banking blessings with God, whatever they may be. At one point, we were trying to rework our finances. We knew we had to break a car lease to bring our budget back on track and get into used car with no payments. It was almost a year of praying, paying, struggling, and being faithful before we received our blessing. One day, we were moving furniture to clean a downstairs spare room and found 46 $100 bills under the bed, $4,600. It was an unused room. There was no explanation as to where the money had come from, and we looked for one. We immediately gave a tithe and an offering on it and then got out of our lease. We bought a used car, had it a year and a half. Then another blessing came along. One of our friend, one of our non-believing family members purchased a two-year-old vehicle for us. My purpose in sharing all this is to give a current example of how big God is. That being said, we also have a huge part. God has tested us to see if we will stick to what we know is right. He's asked us to cut back in many areas, and we have made the choice not to let our finances control us. We put every purchase through a type of filter. Is it a need? Is it a want? Or is it a need that can wait? And doing so, we control money, and money does not control us. I don't want the church, this is nice of him, I don't want the church to all go home and start looking under your bed. <laughs> Somebody's already thinking, that. I, I haven't checked that downstairs bedroom for a long time. Maybe that same angel came to my house. God can do the big and awesome things anytime he sees fit, but I think the majority would need to know more of what is involved it has taken years of testing and believing, not seeing, asking, sometimes feeling like there are no answers at all, giving when you are in need yourself, and simply that God requires responsibility on our part. It's a lifestyle and attitude and perspective that has even been hard at times to explain. It's not a formula other than to love on people, bless people when opportunity arises, and give knowing that you will never lack. Let me give you a scripture verse before we close. Deuteronomy chapter 28. God says, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not believe beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God. If you want to break the fear of losing your money or not having enough, 
begin giving and trust God. Live in his principles. If you need to take down the God of money in your life, do the opposite of what the love of money would say and begin giving or increase your giving. Take down that idol. If, you're in, if greed or bad decisions have caused you to be in unwise debt, start now in God's economy and trust that he will help you with that burden. If you have hurt or broken relationships because of money or finances, why don't you bring a peace offering and let it go? If you're in financial need, order your life by God's principles of giving. If you are blessed, then believe that God has raised you up with the ability to profit so that you can be a blessing. If you've been blessed, enjoy the good that God has given you. Don't feel bad about that. Find ways to determine what is enough and then see how much you can give away to leverage your gifts into the furtherance of God's kingdom. What a joy. Maybe afterwards, let's see. I'll talk to you right away. So we're going to pray. We're just going to ask the Lord if he would speak to our hearts. Maybe you're distant from God today. Maybe you feel like you're not near to him. And today you, you want to draw close. I'm not saying you can buy God's blessing. I'm not saying you can do that. But what it does is it offers a surrender of our heart. And if you've never committed your life to Christ today and you think, my goodness, what kind of a church have I dropped into today? I know a man who was a chartered accountant, very prosperous. And the day he gave his heart to Jesus was the day he gave his first offering to God because it was such a stronghold in his life. So would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Lord God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your promises. I thank you, Lord, that you are at work in all of our lives. Thank you for the promises that you see the sparrow fall, that you create the beauty of the lily of the field. And you've said how much more, how much more. This morning, before we dismiss, there are a number of categories of people who are in the audience. Maybe somebody here, you say, Pastor, I need a financial miracle. I'm in trouble. I need a breakthrough. God cares about that. Maybe you're feeling financial stress. Maybe it's in your marriage or a family relationship or friendships. You say, I, I'm feeling stressed about this. God cares about you. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe the economy of the world and all of the events of the last number of years have created fear in your heart. And today you'd like to be free. Perhaps there is someone and you would honestly have to say that you've been withholding and keeping what belongs to God. And today you would choose a new faith journey as the Lord directs you. In this regard, we would always say, ask God what he wants you to do. Search the scriptures and then give from the heart as God leads you. Lord God, I pray for every person in this room. I pray for those who are feeling burdened and stressed that you would lift that burden from them today. That you would remind them that as you care for all of your creation, you will care for them. Lord, I pray for some who are making a decision today. 
I'm going to order my life and my finances according to God's word and his ways. Lord, we come against the spirit of fear the world creates through headlines and projections and all kinds of things. But you've not given a spirit of fear. You've given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We renounce fear, Lord. We will walk in confidence that you are more than enough. So we ask for your voice. I pray for those who have the gift of giving, that you'd raise them up, that you'd prosper them, that you would use them to do great things for the kingdom of God and give them joy in serving in this way. Lord, as a church, give us a generous heart to this community. Give us open hands and open minds to what you can use us in being a blessing to Comox Valley. We thank you for this, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Let's stand up together. Sing as we worship together. Amen. Our church's mission is to bring the life and ministry of Jesus into everyday life. And the big part of that is that it's not just for Sundays, but it's everyday life. And I think it's important to remember today that as we go through this week, that we are lights in our community and that we have something that a lot of people around us, Monday to Friday, need so desperately. So don't be afraid to share it this week and live it out. And as I pray to conclude today's service, I'm going to invite the prayer team up right now. Um, and if you are hoping to receive some prayer today, um, don't be shy. After the service, come up. We have some lovely people who are willing to pray with you. Um, so, God, thank you for today. Thank you for another day that we get to gather here, Jesus. Thank you that we have a property and a building to show up and, and gather here, Jesus. Thank you that you are here in this room with us, God. Thank you that your presence is here. Thank you that you are not just with us in here, God, but that as, as we leave this building today, as we go on throughout our week, Jesus, you are walking with us, God. You are guiding us. You are leading us. You are speaking to us, God. So, so I pray that we just feel encouraged from today and open our hands and listen and receive from you, God. I pray a blessing as we go throughout the rest of this week. And in your name we pray, amen. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.